Welcome to the Procurement Show. Hello and welcome to The Procurement Show, the show that tackles the topics we all need to think about and sets out to explore the more interesting bits of procurement. I'm Jonathan O'Brien. And I'm Paul Philpot. I'm here to ask the questions you might want to ask and administer Jonathan's fan mail. This week we have a very special guest. He's held a number of senior procurement positions in big organisations. He's been a procurement delivery leader for Accenture. He is credited with one of the first and the longest running specialist procurement podcasts with the excellent and now award-winning Art of Procurement podcast. Please welcome to the Procurement Show live from Florida, Philip Eidson. Philip, welcome. Thank you very much, Jonathan. And thank you. Oh, it's a pleasure to be with you today. The Procurement Show is brought to you by Positive Purchasing, enabling the future of procurement in organizations around the globe. It's a great honor to have you on our show. And I've got to say, I've listened to your podcast over the years. It is excellent. Thank you. I even got to be on a couple of them as well. So I didn't think we'd be here with you on my podcast. So I'm really grateful that you've taken the time to do that. And there are so many things that we could talk to you about because you seem to have the finger on the procurement pulse with the art of procurement. And I thought we would start with category management. Because you quite literally wrote the book about category management didn't you in procurement Mm -hmm. and this goes back to one of your podcasts where you asked the provocative question is procurement moving away from category management and i thought i've got something to say about that so i thought we'd start with that and also be good to talk about some of the stuff that's happening in the world of procurement right now as well so if we're going to talk about category management let's start with a definition because not everybody knows what it is so Mm -hmm. this of course is where we segment our addressable third-party spend into categories and crucially categories that reflect how individual marketplaces are organized so we match the total spend for a given category to the widest possible marketplace. So, that was beautifully done, by the way. Thank you. It's almost like I had it written down. Yes. <laughs> Philip, do you think procurement is moving away from category management? I think that category management as an activity, procurement isn't moving away from. Some procurement organizations are thinking differently about how can we deliver what essentially is category management and what's the right structure and how do we use technology to inform that? What's the role of a category manager changing the role and responsibility of a category manager? Only we in procurement think of things as categories. Hmm. Business stakeholders don't necessarily think of something as a category. But the notion of us helping to helping the business determine a buying strategy, which ultimately do through category strategy, isn't going to go anywhere. Yeah. And I was doing a presentation in Sweden, I think it was, and somebody asked the question, is category management going away? Is it dead? And I said, well, that's a bit like saying, well, gravity is a bit out of date. Because for me, (laughs) the principle is based on fundamental economic principles of how best to source. Now, the context, I think, is changing. Digitization will be the big future. Mm -hmm. And the way that it was done 20 years ago isn't the way that's cutting edge for organizations now, I think. And just to add to that, that's where I think about category management. We all grew up over the last 20 years with category management. I grew up with it in the automotive sector. And the traditional process that you go through from a category management perspective Mm. to get to your end result, that is what I see as being more likely to change. There's some organizations who have been on that category management journey for a number of years and now working, okay, how do I think differently about how I 
build the structure to help me deliver on category management and others who are kind of skipping the generations. They're looking and saying, well, look, we don't need to go through that old process. That's not part of our maturity journey. Why don't we look at how do we skip the generations and do category management in a different way just from the off? Because I'm sure you see this all the time, Jonathan. It's surprising how many organizations still don't really do category management. Yeah, I do. You see that a lot. And I see a lot of organizations that say, hey, we're doing category management and you work with them and you think, well, no, you're not. You're just doing contract and tendering and calling it category yeah. management and it's not adding any benefit but there is something in this that there is a need that's driving how businesses are finding solutions about getting people working better together getting stakeholders working better together because as you know part of category management is being able to have cross-functional working it's not something that exists in procurement it has to exist across the entire organization so people have got to work together but they don't and so i'm seeing some companies that are starting to say well we're not going to have a process we're just going to have people work together and that kind of works but you still need that backbone well let me ask Mm -hmm. you do we still need that backbone of the tools and the process and the things that help us determine the optimum sourcing arrangements that underpin it. I think so, although I always caution people not to be too prescriptive on those tools because they may not be fit for purpose in a particular organization or how a company is structured or what the end result, because ultimately this is all about driving value for the business and what the business wants. But I do think you need some infrastructure around the process of gathering information and insights and contextualizing them for your stakeholder to enable you to influence your stakeholders across the business to make what are perhaps more effective business decisions. Because, you know, and ultimately that for me is more around what category management and category strategy is than let's go and check Porter's five forces and let's go and check doing a SWOT analysis and let's go and do this and then put them into the big master computer and up pops your strategy. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can say that, And I speak personally, having done that myself as a practitioner, a lot of times we've operated in that bubble. So we have to be careful that if we're using that process and structure that we're not doing it, we're not hiding behind it. So that we're operating in that bubble and not working with our stakeholders. So you've talked about how procurement and category management fits within the organization. But right now, it seems that most certainly from the guests that we've had recently on the procurement show, the biggest issues are security of supply and trying to mitigate price increases from the supply base. It's like you're constantly fighting a fire around you that just seems to be burning out of control, especially in the current landscape. So if all our time is taken doing that, then surely we're not going to have the time to move a topic forward like category management. It's funny, you know, I agree with what you are seeing in the short term. You know, we did a survey probably two or three weeks ago of our community and found that, you know, the number of cost increase requests that the buyers in our community are getting are increasing. You know, that's certainly not going anywhere. Month over month, more and more of those increases are coming through. Now, I understand from a short-term view, if you haven't invested in category management, that you're kind of in firefighting mode Mm. right now. I would argue this is a good learning opportunity as well. Take a step back and say, if we'd have actually thought strategically about this category, if we'd have done a business continuity plan at the category level, for example, Mm -hmm. and we've done scenario planning around things that could happen related to systemic risks across our category. If we'd have done that in advance, and some organizations will have done that in advance, well, actually, they're really well positioned and can look at what's going on now as an opportunity, because this is where they can negotiate deals or push back on requests or whatever it is that they're getting to actually turn that into a competitive advantage. So the ones that are struggling right now, because we've got all this work to do to mitigate these increases 
probably haven't had the upfront work that would position them well to take advantage of this. Yeah. Are you saying that somebody somewhere hasn't been listening <laughs> to the procurement show? Yeah. I think that it's easy to be too far removed from the day-to-day realities of what it's like to be a category manager or a buyer or a procurement leader. And, you know, everyone's been pulled from pillar to post over the last 12, 24 months, especially around security of supply. Mm. So I'm always reticent to say, well, procurement should do this or procurement should do that because we all have so much things going on. But I would suggest that yeah, thinking a little bit more strategically and long-term around strategies in your category or creating the ability to do so helps you in moments like this rather than slows you down. Yeah, and I think it's interesting you say that if we'd done this properly, then we would have been more prepared for this because the tools themselves are elegant in terms of how we do category management. And I take your point that it's not about the process and the tools, but it's about the so what's, you know, so, okay, what does this tell us? How does this understand the strength of the position that we have? And what I'm finding with the people I'm working with who are now fending off these price increases, dealing with these security of supply problems, the first step is let's go back to the basic tools what is our position what power do we have sourcing from this marketplace how much power does our supplier have how does that affect the sourcing strategy that we have in place and it's almost like people have kind of forgotten that they've gone into panic mode but actually if you come back to the tools and the reason we do category management in the first place it's all there the solution may be different because we're not trying to reduce cost or achieve savings. We're trying to get the things and ensure we can get the things in the first place and perhaps even be sustainable while we're at it. But the, it's the same methodology. Is that what you're saying, mm-hmm. Philip? Yeah, I mean, you want to understand your opportunities and your vulnerabilities. Mm. And going through that category segmentation process allows you to do that. And you make come up and say, hey, this is a marketplace where I don't have a lot of leverage. And I, I don't really like talking about power dynamics because I think we use power dynamics sometimes as a crutch to ask for things that are unreasonable and get what we want because we're bigger than the suppliers we're working with. But understanding that to say, okay, so maybe supplier relationship management is more important in this category for mm. all of these reasons. Yeah. Whereas in this other category, you know what? It's a commodity. Don't need to worry so much about it. And we need to make sure I've got some controls in place, but it's not an area of focus. Uh, certainly the tools, the basics of category management allow you to identify where those strengths and the weaknesses are across your categories. Dare I say to both of you that you're talking about an ideal world scenario. We've already just discussed about firefighting and this very fast moving landscape that we're working in. You're both saying that actually what we need to do is stop and excuse the pun, take stock of where we are. But that's not always possible, is it? No, it isn't. It is a balance because right now, Philip, you said it beautifully just now, we're just being pulled from pillar to post right now. And I think the reality, when you're being pulled from pillar to post, if you're too busy trying to put the fires out, then you're just going to put the fires out. Somehow you've got to be able to just stand back and say, okay, so what can I do that's going to begin to get us out of this more long term? Because this isn't going away. The situation we're in is going to be here in its current form for probably the next two years and then the world's going to be a different place yeah i agree with that as well and if you haven't started thinking about it in some ways it's a little bit too late at the moment so you are firefighting Hmm. but i would really you know encourage anybody that's listening that you can't use that as the excuse not to start putting in place long-term plans even if you don't know what the long-term scenario looks like it's more around like when we've looked at category strategies in the past, I feel like they've been focused still on cost for better or worse, perhaps innovation. 
but we still haven't really embedded the risk principles and thoughts about risk into category management and category planning. I mean, if there's any wake up call now, I mean, your category plan right now should all be about what's my optionality. How can I maintain flexibility? You know, if I should have shortages or if I should have cost increase requests and all those kind of things that I feel that perhaps that's an area that was missed when we're thinking about what an ideal category plan should look like two, three, four years ago. Yeah, I guess because it wasn't real. You know, why would you think about risk when globalization is the thing that's giving you all the benefits? It wasn't in the you, minds of our forebearers. Well, <laughs> it, it's funny, you know, I did a learning and development program around supply chain risk a few mm. years ago. Back in my days, I was part of a team that uh, had to build a third party risk management program in the financial services industry. Yeah. It was just coming out of the last recession back in 0809. And this is in the US. And the organization that I worked for basically had to go to the government and beg for money to survive. They were given the money and they were allowed to turn themselves into a bank overnight. And then we had to build basically a risk program under the watch of the Federal Reserve in real time. And, you know, the pendulum swings all the other way. Yeah. But as you go through that and then the training that I've done in risk, people think it doesn't apply to them or they think that supply risk really only applies to the physical, the movement of physical goods and services. And, hey, I'm in indirect procurement, so I shouldn't be too concerned about this. And the reality is that as we're seeing now. There's a lot of risks out there that impact your indirect goods and services as much as the direct goods. So I do think it's been a blind spot for procurement. And whenever we try to make a little bit of a deal about it, people, you know, generally weren't that concerned because they felt yeah. that, like you said, Paul, you know, I didn't need to worry about risk because there was no risk events going on. I was working with a US company and it was just after one of the big hurricanes had gone through and they lost their single source supplier in one of the hurricanes. Mm -hmm. And the CEO came down to the procurement function and said, okay, so we've lost our supplier that affects all these product lines. What's the plan B? And there was this silence and everyone's plan B? What? And yeah. everyone looked at each other and sort of, and then looked at their feet. And you're right, until that point, it didn't matter. Then it mattered a lot. Yes. It really did. Mm -hmm. The Procurement Show, exploring the more interesting bits about procurement. And now, the Procurement Fun Fact. This edition's exciting tale of preposterous procurement, bizarre buying, or simply saucy sourcing. In 2014, the procurement team at the U.S. National Institute of Health were tasked with sourcing Swedish massages for rabbits. The idea was to find out if Swedish massage could help recover from an illness. In this test, rabbits were given a 30-minute massage and the study concluded that the massage rabbits recovered faster. The cost of the study was $387,000. The Procurement Fun Fact. Contact us by email. Hello at theprocurementshow.com. Send us a tweet at Procurement Show or connect with us on LinkedIn. Search for The Procurement Show. I want to just talk about digital now and automating category management because we launched our digital category management workflow tool this year, which is the first attempt to try and turn this into something that is completely digitized. And now we've done that, the biggest request that we are getting is how can we link this to real-time data? So we've got the category management. People are saying, okay, now let's plug in the data in the front. And that kind of gets you to a point where 
can we get to this fully embedded platform that's completely automated that perhaps makes some of these strategic decisions for us that doesn't necessarily need very well-paid category managers to do it? Do you Mm -hmm. see us getting to that place? I'd say a qualified no. What I see is tremendous opportunity to digitize and ultimately automate all or if not most of the data collection. Hmm. You have a platform where all the data is now coming in one place. And yes, that can be real-time external supply market insights. It can be real-time internal data. It can be insights, perspectives from stakeholders and all the different pieces of intelligence that you need to be able to develop an appropriate category or sourcing strategy can mostly be digitized and mostly be automated. What all that is missing is context. Mm-hmm. That's where the kind of qualified no comes in is that all that insight is great, but what are you going to do with it? And so for me, as you think about how category management is changing, my vision is actually that you have these platforms that enable you to gather all this information. Well, you actually need somebody who's an expert to contextualize it for your situation. But that role is two-hour rule or a four-hour rule, or it's a really short piece of work to contextualize it, Mm. to build a strategy by somebody who knows what they're doing because they're an expert in that category, as opposed to needing a category manager for that category that's embedded on your team as a full-time employee. Instead, those full-time employees are not category managers, but they're relational folks. So they're managing the relationship between the stakeholders to understand the stakeholder needs, and then they're tapping into these platforms with this data plus it being contextualized by experts to help drive decisions. So that's really what I'm seeing. I'd love to know your perspective, Jonathan, as well. Well, I'm beginning to see that. I think one of the challenges in the world of digital, which is a very odd word to describe lots of different things. Today, it's islands of technology. It'd be great to have that magic button that kind of gives you access to all of the information you need, that single point of truth, but it just doesn't exist. And a lot of the platforms that are out there that are big name platforms really aren't that well developed. So I think in this industry, it's still quite basic in many cases, but you can see the future. You can see how things will begin to connect to one another. And when you can connect how category management works with how some aspects of SRM works and connect that to big data and supplier data and world data, you begin to create something that's quite dynamic. And I think one of the challenges, one of the things that procurement teams should be doing right now is having a strategy for digital, not based on what's available in the market today, because that ain't there yet, based on if we could do anything, what would the perfect system look like And which bits can we get today and which bits do we want to get when they're available? Yeah, and I think realizing it's an iterative process. Today, there's technology available that can help you to start digitizing the things you do in category management already. So it's kind of the lift and shift, if you will. Hmm. This is our process and we do our five forces and we do our matrices and we gather insights from our stakeholders. Rather than that being in a PowerPoint, that can be in a technology platform. And that's taking existing category management and digitizing it. What the opportunity is, is thinking, how is technology going to actually change what category management is? And we're definitely not there yet on that piece. I think we're more focused on how do we digitize the things we already do today to make them more streamlined and more transparent. Just very briefly to both of you, how far do you think it could go with regards to category management data, digital AI, artificial intelligence? Are we going to see procure bots or buy bots? Because there are industries out there where Mm. things are traded purely automatically. Yeah. 
Will we be buying things purely automatically? And I'd be interested to hear what Philip has to say on this in just a moment, because I think there's two bits to that. One is automating routine buying, which mm. you can pretty much do today. And that's an efficiency. You then, then plug that into the big giants like Amazon Marketplace mm. who then start doing business place type stuff. And that becomes automated for the generic non-differentiated spend. And then the second bit is using artificial intelligence in terms of how supply chains work. So you can make them agile and you link demand to what flows through the supply chain. So that stuff's happening today and can grow. But I think there's a lot more. Philip, what do you think? It depends in some way regarding on the maturity of the procurement organization. And so let me explain why I say that. I think that self-service is the way forward. Like we should be devolving the ability to buy back into the business for the vast majority of things that a business needs to buy, that we shouldn't be the single kind of hold up to do that. And technology exists to help us do that, whether it's automation or whether it's self-service. And that kind of covers the 80% of the majority of the stuff that most of the business sees procurement as being the keeper of. And it's most of the till spend stuff or smaller things mm. or, you know, stuff that, again, there's not a great deal that we can add from a strategic perspective. So then it comes down to what's the 20%. And this is where I believe it depends on the maturity of the procurement organization. To truly have a world-class buying strategy, I don't think that can be fully automated or be fully AI driven. There needs to be that contextualization component of it for your specific business. Those procurement organizations that are embracing the self-service, embracing devolution of spend back into the business, who are proactively looking at what technology they can use, who are building a procurement solution, a procurement capability around all this new technology, they're going to be the ones that have the opportunity to, to keep hold of that 20% and truly make the buying around that 20% truly strategic for their business. Those that are resisting that are saying, ah, oh, you know, I'm not sure about all this technology or, you know, spend under management is my driver and that's all I care about. And so I'm not going to devolve things back into the business because I know how to buy better than my stakeholder knows to buy. You know, the businesses that take that perspective are going to find themselves in a position where this technology is going to happen. The technology for automation for a lot of that spend is going to happen. So do they want a CIO or a COO or a CFO coming to them and saying, I found this wonderful new tech that I've been sold on that basically gets rid of you guys and I'm sold because I never liked you anyway. And then procurement's <laughs> kind of gone. That's where I think we could get to. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. for those that didn't proactively embrace the tech, that's what's going to happen to them. And so they'll find 100% of the spend yeah. automated or in a self-service model. They're not going to get the most out of that spend, but that's where it's going to go. Great answer. That's yeah. kind of my perspective on it. Ah, I suppose what you could say, Philip, is that we mustn't lose the art of procurement. Yep. Nicely done. Yeah, yeah. I've got to ask this. I know it's used as a highly tactical thing and part of category mm. management implementation, but is the RFP dead? Again, I don't think the outcome that you drive from an RFP process is necessary. Can that be much more tech-enabled? Yes, it can. Should it be more strategic? Yes, it should be used more strategically. But I don't think the notion of going out to the marketplace to get multiple proposals to figure out where you want to source something is going to go away anytime soon. Yeah, sadly. We've all been at the receiving end of them. On that point, I think we would do well to look at how supplier-friendly we make RFPs yeah. and that we don't use them as a crutch for having not done our category strategies. Yeah, Because I think a lot of time that's what they're used for is we don't understand the category, so we're going to go and ask for everything, and then we're going to use all that information 
to then build a strategy because it was easier to ask the suppliers than find it out ourselves. I see another dimension because of the growth in doing everything online that the nature of those systems restricts the way in which you construct the RFP. So it tends to put the requirement into a very tiny box. So you're talking about the portals. And that assumes you know more about this than the suppliers do. And that's great if you really do and you've really formed those business requirements well. You can go to the market with a very precise requirement. But most people don't. So Mm. the idea of getting innovation from suppliers is that you say, look, we have this idea, we have this thing, this is what we know, and we want some ideas there. And you create a scenario that gets suppliers to be able to make proposals there. The risk is what you've just said, Philip, is that they take everything and then turn that into something else. None of that is good procurement practice because you're not understanding what the market can do for you and you're not defining the requirement in a fair way. So I think there's a real lack of capability for running RFPs in this industry. You know, there's so much innovation capability within our supply base that we don't tap into. Far more innovation capability within suppliers than there is internally. And I feel like when we do really strict requirements in an RFP, it's suggesting that we understand more about that marketplace than the suppliers Mm. we're going to do. So I'm a really big believer in open-ended questions in an RFP to facilitate proposals because and setting out a business challenge or a business opportunity and finding out ways that supply base believe is the most optimal way to solve for that challenge. I know why we do it because we want to have an apples to apples comparison between everybody. So we want some really easy to compare answers, but that just drives people down into a box that may not be the right solution. Sure. Yeah. And we've talked a bit about transformational strategies. And for me, there are different levels of category management. And this kind of game-changing transformational strategy is the reason to do it. Otherwise, why would you spend the time to do it? But I don't think you get to this overnight. You don't produce a team that is able to come up with transformational category strategies overnight. So what are the things that organizations need to do to get really good at category management? Mm -hmm. That's a great question because a lot of it is based on trust. The underlying thing for good category strategies in my mind and good procurement, not just category strategies and category management, is the truly understanding the individual needs of each one of your business stakeholders and each one of the teams that you support. And without that, then you will never be as successful as you can be in driving business outcomes through category management or through procurement generally. You know, and the challenge is when we go in and we think we have our metrics. And so we go in and look at the business as a way to to help us achieve our metrics rather than a way that we're there to help the business achieve theirs. It's probably some low impact categories, but you're actually demonstrating that. So you can start to build up trust. And without that trust, you're always going to find yourself hitting your head against a brick wall when it comes to wanting to influence people because people just disregard the strategies that you put in place otherwise. A theme that comes up quite often on the procurement show is sustainability. It's a topic that's close to all our Mm -hmm. hearts and quite rightly so. What's your view with regards to what procurement needs in order to support the theme of sustainability? And where does category management fit into all of this? First and foremost, procurement needs executive level support. They need that sponsorship, that sustainability is important for the organisation. I think that well, since I've been in procurement 20 years, sustainability has still been a topic that we've talked about, but it's been not necessarily co-opted by the mid-level, you know, the folks who are the budget holders of the things that we're helping to buy. So we haven't really got anywhere. 
I am not sure if you're seeing the same, but I'm certainly seeing for where I sit, even the last six to nine months has been a market change in support and sponsorship for sustainability initiatives where the things that we've wanted to do for a long time, procurement's being looked at as a driver of value around sustainability that we've wanted for a long time and always struggled with. So I think that one is that top line support. Two, we've got to think a little bit more creatively about what does sustainability mean and how do we achieve it? Mm-hmm. Sustainability is not just demand management, while that can be a part of it, or it's not just redesigning from a product or material perspective. That can be a part of it too. It can mean so many different things. So don't go in there kind of with a one size fits all. This is what I'm going to do from a sustainability perspective. And I think three is metrics, you know, how we're going to measure success from sustainability, because without that, it's difficult to get some buy-in around it, but also difficult to demonstrate the value of why are we doing or why we're recommending the strategies that we're recommending. And category strategy is a big part of it, of course, you know, as you're thinking from a category-wide perspective about what tools, what levers you can pull around sustainability. What's interesting to me as well, when you think about it on a category perspective, is how can we work cross-industry or not even cross-industry within my industry in a particular category? So category strategies have often been focused on internal. How can I change my internal business to do something you know, with the end result of developing and delivering a certain strategy. But within sustainability, it's such a broader issue that we can kind of build into our strategy the ability to work with some of our competitors to solve industry-wide problems. That's a really interesting point because I hadn't thought of that opportunity before because like you, we've seen a huge uptake in sustainability. 20 years ago, I started saying, let's do sustainability. And everybody said, that's very lovely. Come help us save some money. So right. it didn't happen. And mm. I kind of gave up and lost heart. But now I'm back doing it and helping companies to do that stuff. And the thing that I'm seeing is people say, we now need sustainable procurement. What is that exactly and where do we start? So it clearly does start with what is the organization trying to achieve? What are the science-based targets that it needs to meet? And then measuring where you're at, which is no small Mm -hmm. thing, especially if you're trying to understand, say, the emissions in the supply base. But you're right. Actually, when we think about what we've done, we focus internally because there's never been a need to look at our competitors apart from perhaps some procurement benchmarking. But now, like never before, unless we work together with others in the industry, we won't solve some of those problems, especially around emissions. It's time to Ask Jonathan. Yes, indeed. And today's Ask Jonathan has been sent in from Scotty Ben, who asks... Dear Jonathan, Hello. are there any tips or, I quote, magic sources magic, mm-hmm. yeah, you can give me to help me understand what is happening in a marketplace for a category? There's no magic solution. It would be great if we can have a magic button where you can access all the stuff you need to know about something. All that data. Doesn't mm. exist. It probably will do in the future. Right now, the way to do good market research is good old-fashioned homework and you've got to do your homework obviously you start with things like google and look at some of the advanced search options so you can refine your searches and things like that to get where you need to get to and then it's about looking at industry publications it's about talking to people that know about stuff it's about asking your suppliers so you might want to do an rfi you might want to go and talk to the people that know about this stuff and ask them as part of the questions that you might be asking your supply base as part of a process what is happening in the marketplace Mm -hmm. you know they'll tell you some stuff 
And then there are companies, professional companies, that might specialise in certain industry sectors. So you remember we had on this show Anthony Fisher from Mintech on, who talked about data sources for their food industry. Mm -hmm. So companies like that provide wonderful ranges of data and insight for certain industry sectors. Lots of companies out there that do things like that. So it's about looking at lots of different data sources and doing research. But the thing about research is you don't stop. You don't just do a couple of Google searches. You need to keep opening another door, figuring out something that leads you to another door where you do more research and another door where you do more research. And it's about keeping going. And eventually you'll get a picture of what's happening in a marketplace and you'll be able to articulate that in a way that helps you develop a category strategy. Marvellous. Well put. Thank you very much. And if you've got a question that you'd like to ask Jonathan, here's how to do so. Ask Jonathan. Email your question to jonathan at theprocurementshow.com. You might be part of the next show. The Procurement Show. The latest thinking, the greatest insights. Bound to get a situation where competitive advantage is going to be brought to the table. If we work together, then actually how do we differentiate our offering from our competitors offering? and you get into the scenario where for one person to succeed everybody has to succeed which is kind of where we are with climate Mm. change right now Mm. you know the world cannot survive sorry to be doom and gloom the world cannot survive unless we all work together that's the fundamental of it are we going to do that well let's all hope so and keep everything crossed But it does mean that we do need to change how we behave as corporates to find a way to create solutions that everybody can then be part of and then differentiate ourselves. Yeah, and we're really well positioned to do that as a procurement team to actually have an olive branch across to one of our competitors to start exploring where there's potential to do it. And it's the one area where I have seen companies working within the same industry, but with folks who are their competitors. Like there's this understanding that we're all an ecosystem and that this is a topic that goes beyond trying to get competitive advantage. Like we all, even in an industry, like an industry helps itself by doing these things because they may be forced into regulation of penalties Mm. that are going to impact everybody. So it's kind of in everybody's best interest, even if it's still focused on how does my industry help versus industry B, there is a lot more collaboration I see in this space than I've ever seen in anything else, at least from a procurement perspective, because procurement people are afraid of sharing anything with anybody because we see that we're going to give up a potential point of competitive power. I think this is an area where I see a lot of collaboration between companies within industries. So it feels like now, like never before, is the time for procurement to step up. It feels like for a number of reasons, sustainability and being able to lead the organization in terms of innovation, we've got to step up, we've got to actually start driving strategically what the organization does from procurement. Would you agree? Yeah, I'm actually really interested in what you feel on this, because I see that we have a window of time to take advantage of with everything in the broader perspective of what's happening with the world, with recovering from the pandemic and all the supply chain and the cost increasing challenges, but also sustainability. There's more focus on diversity here in the US. We know lots of other different value levers. And so we have this opportunity to demonstrate that we can provide value in those areas. But that window, in my opinion, this is where I'd love to hear what you think is it's got a defined timeline on it. Yes, it has. Because if we don't, then we're forever consigned to the 
we'll roll you out when we need some cost savings and you can be a cost saving SWAT team. And that's really what the role of procurement is going to be going forward. Yeah, I completely agree. There is a window. The time is now. We have to seize the moment. The problem is we're not. And I think that window will pass because boards will say, well, procurement haven't stepped up. Let's go and bring somebody in to start doing it from another angle. And I was talking to a senior individual in a company the other day that said that they got everybody together and they started talking about sustainability. And the CEO came to that session because they presented back, look, you know, this is the situation. This is what we think. And the CEO said, "Okay, so tell me what we need to do. What's the business case? What's the proposal? What do we change? How do we redesign the products and services that we create? And procurement weren't ready for that. The door was opened. Mm tell us what we should do and procurement didn't have the answers they had the kind of here are the things that are wrong but not the answers and i think for us to step up we now have to have the answers and say this is what the organization needs to do and that might actually mean redesigning the goods and the services that the organization provides because we know more about the supply chain than the people that design the stuff mm-hmm. yeah absolutely you know turning up with solutions rather than problems yeah and it goes back to that being proactive and scenario planning and things that good category management should drive because category management should be all about proactiveness versus reactiveness. And I think that's what separates a lot of the ones that are the haves versus the have nots as we come out of this. So do procurement teams have the right skills then for what we've just been talking about? The change in direction of the conversation for one, you're saying that procurement needs to make a stand. This direction of conversation, it's never gone from you guys upwards mm-hmm. before yeah have we got the skills to drive this forward what lies ahead in the next few years and what would happen if we don't get the skills that we need it pains me to say but the skills within procurement that we all held dear that we measured ourselves on as being the signals of a strong procurement professional are relatively easy to train they're relatively commoditized skills. Jonathan, you teach so much negotiation. You know, Mm. you can teach negotiation to non-procurement folks. It's not simple, of course, but you don't need 20 years in the profession to be a really great negotiator. Right. Whereas we kind of hang our hat on skills like that and think that because we have that, that means that we can do a better procurement job than somebody else. You know, the skills that we need are around the EQ, the relationship management, being able to take a step back and take more of a commercial kind of end-to-end perspective on something rather than a procurement perspective, you know, the business acumen. And I feel like we've talked about these for a long time, but yeah, we're not really making progress at scale to transition the traditional procurement skill set to that, which means, you know, you have a lot of folks who are coming into procurement who don't have the procurement ladder, if you will, the career ladder, but they're coming in because they understand what it's like to work in marketing or they understand what it's like because they've been on the other side of the table in a software business or whatever it is. So it's like these are category experts that are coming from outside of procurement that are learning the fundamentals of procurement and they're probably being more successful because they're able to build relationships. The other thing is around digitization and we have all this technology, but we don't necessarily know how to use it. So I hear this time and time and time again from CPOs of really big companies that we're now building this wonderful tech infrastructure around procurement that we've dreamed of for 20 years and being able to have the ability of the things that we can do with this technology. But it's like, you know, handing the keys to a Ferrari for someone (laughs) who can, you know, ride a bike. Yeah. And so that's the gap is how do we actually take advantage 
of all this information and insights and data and technology to actually drive better outcomes. And I'm not sure that we're in a position where we can do that yet. And I think if I were hiring the perfect procurement team right now, I mean, sure, you want some people that know about procurement, but Mm. as you said, I'm going to hire people that know about marketing and know about relationships. I would add some data scientists into that, some people that Mm. do digital that know nothing about procurement. And I work all over the world teaching category management, SRM, and negotiation to companies. You can teach this stuff. You're right, Philip. You can teach this stuff very easily. You can take somebody. They've got to have the right EQ, the right EC. They've got to have the right ability to do that stuff, and they've got to have a degree of intelligence. If you have those basic building blocks, you can teach them what strategic procurement is. You can equip them with a process. You can teach them how to negotiate and role play and do that stuff. The hard bit then comes on how you actually navigate this crazy world that we're in these days. I'm seeing the best procurement people are the ones that don't have the procurement background. The ones that have been there kind of 30 years are not the ones that are driving the modern breakthroughs, with some exceptions. But it's the people that have come in and said, hey, let me understand this thing called procurement. Okay, I get it now. Now let me bring these other skills in. Right, now let's do something that you haven't done before. Could you achieve this if you perhaps improve the flow of communication between procurement and other aspects of the business? Like, for example, you mentioned marketing. How often does procurement engage? Not enough. And that's one of the core building blocks of doing category management well. But I think it's more than engaging. It's that fundamental DNA of who that person is. And quite often when organizations go through procurement transformation, one of the conversations I have with senior executives is, look, you've got to understand not everybody's going to make this journey. Mm. They're just not capable of becoming the game changing procurement people you want. They can run tenders but they're not going to change the game in terms of how you source this stuff. What do you think, Philip? Yeah, the word that was going through my mind as you were both having that conversation is mindset. Mm. Whether you've been in procurement for 30 years or five years is not necessarily the indicator of whether you're going to be able to succeed in the new procurement. But what your mindset is, is going to be the big driver. So do you take a step back and say, I need to forget the things that I learned in the past, as opposed to hold them as a badge of honor? in terms of how I'm going to operate going forward, or am I always going to hold on to that? This is what I've always done. I've had a good career doing that. I'm the foremost negotiator of category X in the world. And so therefore I'm insulated from all this change. Those are the ones that struggle. Yeah. Just to finish off. Yes. I would like to ask you, Philip, what you think the three biggest things that procurement needs to be focused oh, on we in use the, the terms next three takeaways. years. Takeaways, yes. Jonathan. What are <laughs> take the takeaways going to be? Come on, come on. Three biggest things in the next three years, three takeaways. Hmm, three takeaways in three years, kind of putting me on the spot there. Three things that come to mind. I think one is we have to be prepared for the impact of technology Everybody in procurement right now should be understanding what all these small startups can do, how it can impact their job, how they can use them to their advantage. You don't need to be in a role where you're responsible for digitization of your profession, or you're in transformation, or you're a CPO. You have to understand how you can use this and build a perspective on how this is either going to help or hinder me. So you can start making decisions around your career, around what this is going to mean and how you need to position yourself and the skills that you're going to need. Because it will fundamentally change what procurement is. I don't know how, I don't know what the end game is, but a lot of the technology that's coming into procurement right now, it's not new technology. It's not the fact that this has been dreamed up for the first time. A lot of it's been used in sales and it's been used in marketing and it's been used in operations for years and years and years and years. 
But procurement is just a new use case because all of a sudden the market is saturated in some of those other verticals. So I definitely encourage folks to think about all this. You really need to be on top of digitization. And I ignored it for a while because I thought, well, you know, technology is a bit complicated. I'll focus on doing the things that I know, but there's no getting away from it. So have opinions around tech. I'd say that's one thing. Two is think about ecosystems. So when I talk about ecosystems, you know, I think about how do we deliver the procurement services? Because I see a procurement function within an organization is not a business function. We're a business within a business. So we need to show up with insights, with a value proposition, with a delivery mechanism that makes our stakeholders think they can't do without us. You know, so ultimately you're a salesperson, you're an operations person. How do you take advantage of this ecosystem of service providers, of subject matter experts, of data sources, all these things that you have to, to solution a service or a capability that is specifically what your individual stakeholder needs? Because we're going to need to be delivering things that meets not just marketing's needs, but actually the needs of the advertising stakeholder. We've got to be really specific around the value proposition that we create because going in with this, with procurement, like one size fits all is definitely not going to be helping us. So we need to focus on that. Let's see a third thing. I think from a relational perspective, as we talked about before, the skill sets that we need are all going to be around relational and delivery and program management and sales. They're not going to be about, am I a better negotiator than somebody? Like those skills can be taught. The ones that are going to be really hard that you need to focus on is those softer skills and EQ. You know, I talked to a CPO of a, probably a Fortune 10 or 15 organization in a roundtable a few weeks ago. And he said, emotional quotient is 100 times more important to me when I hire than IQ. And I think that we all need to kind of be aware of that. I'm sure there's a million other things that I've forgotten that mm. I could have shared with you, but those are three things that immediately come to mind. And that is absolutely brilliant. It's all about digitization, it's about ecosystems and the skill set for relationships and delivery. So thank you yeah, so much. Yeah, the mindset for the, around that. Yeah, and I, it's been such a privilege to have you on the procurement show. Good luck with the Art of Procurement. And if you don't know the Art of Procurement podcast, go and listen to it after you've listened to The Procurement Show, obviously. Of course, yeah. Philip Eidson, thank you so much for joining us on The Procurement Show. My pleasure, thank you. You've been listening to The Procurement Show. Contact us by email, hello at theprocurementshow.com. Connect with us on LinkedIn, search for The Procurement Show and on Twitter at Procurement Show. Visit us at theprocurementshow.com. The Procurement Show is brought to you by Positive Purchasing, Enabling the future of procurement in organizations around the globe. Copyright Positive Purchasing. All rights reserved. Produced by Fresh Air Studios.